Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD, what we can learn from systems engineers applied. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show. Um, and write down the secret word of that show, and then just email me just the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. When you have ADHD, putting in an eight-hour workday while maintaining maximum concentration can be a challenge. Here are some strategies to help. Make your physical environment less distracting. Use your laptop, smartphone, or alarm to track appointments and deadlines. Break up long tasks into shorter ones. Take breaks and walk around. Before you leave work, take five minutes to organize your work area for the next day. To learn more about workplace issues, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. So, Jan, please introduce our guest. Jeff, we're especially pleased to have Zach Copper with us today, and this is a very personal guest for you. Zach is a management consultant with cross-industry and cross-functional expertise in a number of areas, including implementation, sales, talent, organization, analytics, and innovation. With a strategic and analytical mindset, he has helped develop solutions for a plethora of clients. He enjoys bringing high energy to the workplace and strives to use creative, outside-the-box solutions to solve complex problems while managing highly efficient functional teams. In addition to his work, he enjoys continuing his education by constantly learning new areas of focus. He strives to be an extremely well-rounded individual, capable of lending a hand in all business functions. So, Jeff, we're excited to have Zach with us today. Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for the warm welcome. Yeah, it's great to be here. Okay, everybody, this is part two of a two-part series. Our first part was um, we're talking about systems engineering, trying to understand engineering trying to understand the process of systems engineering, basically how engineers actually design processes and stuff like the mechanical way. And there's a few key things that we took from our last um, conversation. One is you map, you document what you currently do, All right, You do that because if you're going to engineer anything, you've got to look at facts, not feelings. Then what you do is you take a look 
at what you got and you're looking for disconnects, you're looking for pain points, you're looking for areas of problem, and then you brainstorm and then you make adjustments. So you do a little bit of tweaking in this process. And the thing that I want everybody to understand is what I just described, mapping out, mapping out the process for industrial engineering purposes is mapping out the process. It's the same thing in your personal world, right? And there's a lot of doing this for self-awareness. And self-awareness is an executive function. ADHD is an executive function impairment. And self-awareness is highly correlated with success in life. So what we have is my son, Zach, who is an industrial engineer, who helped me do the first show. And he's going to help me kind of get through this show a little bit because we're going to translisten a little bit of that type, what we describe from there, into everyday uh, ADD life. And so – you know, before I get into some of this stuff, Zach, growing up, it was interesting kind of watching you um, develop some systems on your own. And one of them I want to highlight, and you can comment, we'll kind of go from there, is I just remember there's always a two or three foot pile of crap at the front door. That was the stuff that you had to take to sports or school, what was going on. It was interesting. You put it there because you always went out the front door. That was kind of an interesting system that kind of worked for you. So can you talk about your experience, kind of how that kind of came about and, and what you learned from it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something I still do to this day. Um, <laughs> I, I try and put a bin by the door to make it a little bit tidier, but for the most part, yeah, I always have things by the door, uh, especially when I'm leaving. So for me, there were a few times growing up where I would you know, I really liked activities. I really liked sports after school, and that was really fun. But there were a couple times I would go to practice and realize I didn't have my bag at all. So I wasn't able to hop in the pool because I didn't bring my bathing suit or I didn't bring my cleats. So now my soccer practice isn't going to be as fun because I'm going to be slipping around everywhere. And I tried to think about, you know, where I was leaving these along the way. And a lot of times, like, my bag would still be on my bed in my room um, or it would be, you know, pre-packed. I would try and get ahead of it, but it would just be in my closet when I tidied things up. And I realized I'm a, I'm a very visual person. I'm, I'm very much so out of sight, out of mind, but if it's in sight, it's very much so in mind. And so I, I just tried with a couple different tricks and realized, you know, I, I always do go out the front door when I go to my car. So if I physically put my gym bag right by the front door, I'm going to trip over it if I'm not thinking about it and will always remember to bring it with me to school. Um, and so for me, you know, even, even this past weekend, I'm about to go on a, on a ski trip this weekend. So this past week I was packing ahead of time, driving my roommates nuts because my, my skis, my boots, my poles are all by the front door. I got my bag of clothes by the front door, you know, throughout the week I'm adding different things into it. But when it comes to packing, now I'm like, cool, just five minutes to get everything in the trunk and we're good to go. I don't even have to think about what I forgot. So that's just kind of how it, it came to be, just the out of sight, out of mind mentality for me, knowing I'm very visual and putting, you know, the pile is an impediment between me and the vehicle to get me from point A to point B. I'll never forget it if it's right there. <laughs> so let's just break this down. Uh, we're going to segue into ADD. ADHD is an executive functioning impairment. Working memory is a part of executive functioning. Part of working memory is the retrieval of existing knowledge. Okay. And most people don't really think about how you retrieve existing knowledge. There's free recall, which just comes out of your thin air. Uh, that happens, but you can't really count on it. More often than not, we, we rely on what's called cue recall. There's some type of a cue that, that reminds you. A, a reminder, I like the word cue, C-U-E, because it's a more ubiquitous word. So what he was doing is he was re leaving the stuff in front of the core to cue his memory to take it with him. Okay? Again, 
for, uh, for people with ADHD, this is much more difficult. So a lot of times what a really good structure is to stick it out in the middle of the floor so you can't miss it on the way out. That is a compensatory strategy for the impairment of retrieving existing knowledge. Okay? For cognitively, if you're somebody like this, if it's out of sight, out of mind, you're probably not going to have the free recall to remember it when you're leaving the door. Furthermore, if you have ADHD, thinking is very tedious. We'll talk about this a little bit later. It's really, really effortful. And when thinking is either boring or hard, you're going to have a tendency to want to escape to something else. So let's say you wrote down a list of the things that you needed to take. Well, it's effortful. First of all, you've got to remember to look at the list. That's free recall to a degree unless you have it. And then looking at the list is effortful to go and, and, and read it and then go find the things when the point in time you're getting out the door. What I'm trying to illustrate here is you see the cognitive part of this, and you can begin to see that this little thing that he did is very, very efficient. Now, it wasn't as sightly as maybe his mother would like in the house with regard to that. But in terms of a system that works, we can now understand why it worked the way that it did from cognitively or what we talked about last time, cognitive ergonomics from the inside out. As a coach, just as a side, what I would normally coach somebody is do something there where you make it look like it's supposed to be there, like have a box. It's still there, but you make it look a little bit prettier. So I, I'm, I'm going to stop here, and Zach, if you want to make any comments or thoughts on, on the cognitive part and, and how it now lends itself to understand that works for you. Thoughts? Yeah, I think um, – no, I think everything you said is very spot on. I mean, especially the, the making it sightly, right? You can – once you add like a little bit of effort to right, it makes it all just a little bit easier and, and everything a little bit more commonplace. But yeah, it's uh, I think everything you said is a good point. It definitely, you know, cognitively just making sure you sort of understand yep. that, that point A to point B and how you can get everything together is yep. very important. So let's talk about like mapping things out. People with ADHD struggle with time. By the way, time is a symptomatic thing. And when you take a look, people say I'm time blindness. And I have a personal issue with that because when you say time blindness, it's like I have a problem with time um, and it's really a symptom. Time problems is actually a working memory issue. To, to Using your visual imagery in your mind, you would actually have to create a picture in your mind of the future and time. And that's a very detailed type picture. And people with ADHD have a tendency to just escape that exercise, and they just make assumptions. And you'll, you'll, if you think about it, it's you're, when you're managing time, it's not what you remember. It's what you don't think of that is the reason that you're late. So a time variance, or one of the things that I do often with college students in particular, is have them get out a Excel spreadsheet with 15-minute increments, and they write out their day like a day in the life of me, or if I'm dealing with just a professional, let's just do a day in life of you. You get up at this point in time, you go to the bathroom, da, 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 and we start filling up that day. And what's interesting, Zach, is when you do that, college students I like, because if you just have two classes during the day, you feel like you got all day long, whereas by the time you get up and go get some food at the dorm and come back, get ready and kind of go, all of a sudden it kind of fills in. And so like industrial engineers, by documenting your, your day in the life of you, we're getting the emotions out of it, and we actually see sometimes your day is actually a little bit more full than you realize. You want to comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think when you do look at your day, and, and I'll do this a lot because the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning just instinctively now is making a list of, like, the top three or five things I need to get done for that day. 
And a lot of times that'll be motivation enough for me to get out of bed and get started, right? Because if I, if I don't do that list and I, I don't get moving now, sometimes those top three things, like if I wake up on a Saturday and I'm thinking, cool, like I just need to go grocery shopping, I need to finish that load of laundry and fold things, and maybe I need to go to the gym and get some exercise. I'm like, those three things are pretty routine. That's not a big problem. But once I actually sit down and time box those, so if I'm like, okay, I need to go grocery shopping, but I haven't been home in two weeks because I've been kind of traveling all over. I actually need to go to uh, Walmart. I need to go to Safeway. I need to go to Sam's Club. Now I'm looking at like, okay, and it's a Saturday. A lot of people shop on a Saturday or especially a Sunday. That actually may take me two hours if I'm really rushing between three different places to get everything that I need. Um, then I'm like, okay, well, now if I want to go get some exercise, how long is that going to take me? Okay, well, where am I going to fit in the laundry, right? Then I'm like, okay, well, next thing you know, my day has become five hours, and I woke up at nine, so if I started right away, which I'm not, because I have to shower myself and put on clothes, I would be done by two. But, you know, you just have to – time boxing is really important to actually putting it together because sometimes, for me especially, the tasks may seem very easy up front when I write them down on paper – but once I actually think about how long it's going to take me to drive there, put everything I need in the cart, go through a long checkout line because it's a popular day to go shopping, then it starts to add up. Um, but it's really important for me in terms of planning out my day is not looking at just the task, but how long it's going to take me to get there. God, I love what you just said. The way he described that, everybody, like, um, can you imagine yourself writing all that down on a piece of paper, guesstimating the time, sequencing that to see what your day looks like? I mean – that's a lot of work. For everybody out there with ADHD, if you'll notice, you're not doing that. You ever wonder why? One of the things that we talk about is boredom. People with ADHD, they struggle with what's called agitated boredom. You, you don't like it. You're physically uncomfortable with you when you're bored, and you'll do anything to escape. And so we can start to see ADHD starting to show up here is writing all that stuff down analytically so you can get a real good picture of your day is very, very effortful and somewhat boring. And this is where people, where they, they'll get overwhelmed. That's an emotional response. And they'll escape to their phone because putting all this stuff down on paper is a bit of a challenge. Now, I'm describing this to our listeners. This, this is the same thing for neurotypicals, but people with ADHD struggle. But are we starting to see, Zach, can you see the cognitive reason why people actually don't go through this exercise? Because just the sheer work. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, it's kind of hard to get the motivation behind it just to get up and make a list or to get up and like time box your day. Um, I, I find that, you know, for, for things like that, you really have to build it into your routine. So it becomes sort of second nature, but I mean, there's still definitely days where I wake up. I'm like, I don't want to make my list today. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's sunny outside. I just want to go outside for a run. I, I want to ignore the stopping until later, but I, I definitely, I definitely can see what you're saying from the cognitive side. Yep. So I want to, Share a personal story uh, of our house, and we'll go to break and kind of come back. So uh, sh- sh- grocery shopping is a bit of a challenge, and when you're going to go shopping, you have to retrieve a list of the things that you need. And when growing up, um, I went into Publix, which is the grocery store we went, and I, I took a clipboard. I went to the right side of the store, and I zigzagged from the right side to the left side. And I, with a clipboard, I wrote down all the staples that we would normally have. I typed up on a Word doc, and I would put it all on the refrigerator, like the five or six copies. And the idea is when you were missing something like mayonnaise was done, you're supposed to circle the mayonnaise. And the cool part about it is, is that list, I took the thinking out of it because I didn't have to think about what I needed to take. All I had to do was take a look at the list and make it easier for me to go to the grocery store. Furthermore, it was in the order in the grocery store that you had it. So it was easy. It basically made the thinking out of it. So 
the type of things is when you begin to take a look at cognitively, how do I take thinking out of something to make it easier for me to manage my life, it can, it can really help. So, Zach, you remember those days, right? Oh, absolutely, yes. I, I love the <laughs> list. It was a great system for that. <laughs> Let's go to break. Um, we'll come back and we'll continue our conversation. Our secret word today is applied. Again, our secret word is applied, and we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are in uh, show number two of a two-part series with my son, uh, Zach, uh, who schooled industrial engineer, uh, systems engineer. First show, we talked about uh, systems engineering, and today we're really kind of highlighting that in a personal life is that if you're going to set up systems and uh, an organization, one of the things you do is you, you write everything down, you map it all out, and you start to look for um, pain points or disconnects or, or problematic to kind of solve for that. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the idea of writing out a day in the life of you so you can actually see how busy you are. Um, I remember at one point in time when Zach was around, his mother came to me and wanted to do something on the weekend. And I said, okay, which one of the three weekends do you want to do it? And she said, what? I said, we only have we have 49 weekends are taken care of. And she's like, what? Yeah, the first weekend's the Coronation Bowl. Second weekend's the Children's Jasperilla Parade. The next week's the Day Parade. The next week is the Super Bowl. After that's the Night Parade. And then there's the Running Race. Da, 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 spring break, rib off, blah, blah, blah. And when we went through that stuff, she's like looking at me like, oh, yeah, we're that busy. Like, I mean, we felt like we had all that time in the world, but when you actually wrote it all down, we had something literally planned traditionally for 49 of the 52 weekends. So when you do that, that kind of it's – it's about – Mapping things out, looking at the facts, not the feelings, and there's a self-awareness play in here. There's another piece of this that I want to you – know, if you've got ADHD, you've got ADHD, and you've got to own it. There was a guy I was coaching one time. I walked in to, to meet him one time, and we were just casually talking, and he was saying something. I said, let me get this straight. You committed to do this task every single day at work, right? He said, yeah. I said, this task is a repetitive, boring, routine task. He said, yeah. Zach, any idea what I asked him next? Did you ask him uh, why did you sign up for it? <laughs> I said, tell me any time in your entire life where you actually did the same thing that was repetitive and boring for 30 days. And he goes, this guy's like 46. And he goes, I can't think of one. I said, so why do you think you're going to do it now? The, the idea here really is <laughs> – is when we were talking about industrial engineering and we were mapping that stuff out in pain points, this is a situation, person got ADD. Having something that's repetitive, boring, routine is a hallmark of things that people with ADHD are sick for. But he never actually sat down and owned that behavior. So can you see how he's designing systems or making commitments 
that are really never going to work as if he's just going to use willpower, which is a finite resource, by the way, to override that urge to escape that he's never been able to do consistently over the past 45 years. This is, this is when we're talking about observation, removing the emotions around it and actually identifying as it is. So like that, you were a teenager kind of growing up. There were some things that you should do, but you didn't even want to do them because you're just a teenager, right? It was like, I'm not going to do that. It's too much of a pain in the ass. I would rather go play around with my friends, right? Right, of course. This is, so as we're talking about this, are you having flashbacks in your life about things where you're kind of looking around that you just never really paid attention to? But maybe if you're like, okay, well, I work this way or, or even dealing with – like I think you had a roommate one time who didn't get out of bed till like 11 o'clock in the afternoon because they never really kind of acknowledged that. Is that – am I telling that story right? Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And it, it brings to mind too a lot of when you're talking about – you know, signing up for things that you, you think you should do as well. I'm also having a big flashback to um, early on in elementary school with the, we had the reading counts program. Everybody <laughs> set a goal at the beginning of the year to yep. achieve a certain number of points. And you got, you know, anywhere from three to 20 points per book that you read, right? A, a picture book would be like three points. You'd take a quiz. If you passed it, you got three points. If you read a longer Harry Potter, you'd get like 40 points depending on, you know, which book it was because it's a big, much bigger commitment. And I remember early on, we had to get 250 points to get, like, the reading counts hat, a big presentation in our convocation. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody in my class, I was in my, my subset of classes, a bunch of people that really like to read. And I wasn't really a big reader back then. It was before I, I realized that reading can be fun if you read what you want to read, not what you have to read. And I had this big ambitious goal. I forget how many points I was saying, but it was, like, 400 or something. I only needed 250, and you were telling me to – sit down and take a look over, you know, <laughs> what I enjoy doing and what I like and if that was going to make sense because an extra 150 points was like a couple weekends of me reading some extra books, taking the quizzes in school, and just having, having the, the step back and pause and like kind of look at, you know, what do you like to do? What's, what's your goal? It doesn't have to be reading. You can have goals outside of that. You know what I mean? That was, that was a mm -hmm. big moment for me to kind of realize, right, when you, when you are setting goals and whatnot or signing up for repetitive tasks that you know are not going to be great for your working style or your, your yep. um, what was the, the finite resource you mentioned earlier? Willpower? Uh, yeah, willpower is a finite resource. You have to take, yeah. a, take a look. Right, right, so, exactly. You have to understand exactly what's going to work for you. And this is why self-awareness is so important. And to be self-aware, sometimes you have to write it all down on paper to see it as it is. One of the things I talk about is um, emotional self-regulation and self-awareness are both executive function, but they're conflicting. That to be self-aware, you need to be able to manage your emotions. Okay, to manage your emotions, you need to be self-aware. To be self-aware, you've got to confront yourself. You've got to see yourself as you are, and that's threatening. So people have a tendency to fight back. So again, these are some of the challenges that I'm just trying to illuminate, and why some people don't actually go do this. But hopefully, from an engineering mindset, this can make some sense. All right. So a few other things that I just want to highlight because I want to start transitioning into some solution is that um, hang on, I lost my train of thought. So, so one of the things that, of, of observations that you just need to just, as I say, take a look at your world and look at everything as what's the legitimate reason why I'm doing this. It's a great filter. So a guy one time I was coaching, he's got, I got magazines all over the place, all over the place. And I'm like, what do you mean all over the place? And as I began to ask him questions, 
what, 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 there was not, there weren't magazines in the kitchen or the bathroom or anything. They were basically, there was a living room. There was like a chair with an ottoman. And the magazines were on the table, on the side, on the ottoman, on the floor, on the chair. Basically, all the magazines made it to that part of the house because that's where he would read the magazines. And I'm saying that because we're starting to see a system here, or I'll have people come to me and say, oh, my God, I got apps all over the place. I, I, I got no system. I got no system. I go, well, wait a second. Let's take a look at this. And if I ask them questions, it's interesting because they'll use the app or the system that's the most convenient for them at that point in time. The point here really is they might not be consistently using a certain app, which they think that they should do, but what's common is they're using whatever app is the closest to them at the point of performance. And I'm saying this because they were crossing over from objective observation of what you think it should be to more intangible observation of what actually happens. And so this starts to move into a little bit more complicated observation because, again, I can get to see a pattern here and I can help people see it, but it doesn't look like what they think it should. As I'm describing this, what comes to mind to you? Does this make sense, Zach, or do you have any stories that are similar to it? Or is this new? Yeah, no, this makes this makes sense to me definitely, just as, as a concept. Uh, I'm trying to think of some good stories. Nothing comes to mind right away, but I, I definitely get what you're saying. But so, so the other things too is just like like observation. I'm I'm going to give you guys some observations right now that's going to be over your head, but I want to help you identify it. Number one, if you've listened to me long enough, there's a huge correlation between avoidance and uncertainty. There's a huge correlation between uh, clarity and motivation. And so a lot of times people like saying, I'm not motivated. Well, no, you're not clear. Focus on the clarity to get to motivation. Again, I don't want to get too far off of observation on this because I want to kind of get back to, to systems and stuff like that. But this is the importance of, of, of it. And, and one of the keys that I want to do before we go to the break is too often I'm hearing people, do you have a tip? Do you have a trick? Do you have a strategy? Do you have an app? Do you have a system? They're not looking at what they're currently doing to understand the cognitive reason why they're doing it. They're just looking to skip out of that and jump into some type of new system. And one thing I will tell you, people say, I need a new system, a new behavior. If you have ADHD, it's an executive function impairment. One of self-regulation, it's hard to pause and override your urge. Number two is engaging your working memory, your thinking brain. So if you're going to change a habit, you have to pause and, and stop what you're doing. That's self-regulation. That's an impairment if you have ADHD. Then you have to engage your thinking brain to retrieve the knowledge of what you're going to do next, which is really, really effortful, which gives you an urge to escape. Again, sometimes we're looking at some of these things, and people are like, I'm going to go do that. And effectively, what you're saying is I'm going to use my weaknesses to overcome my weakness. So, again, I want to go to break and come back and talk about some, some things that I've done with some other people with regard to what I've talked to Zach about, that see if we can make this a little bit more tangible. Our secret word tonight is applied, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The TimeTimer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. 
As time passes, TimeTimer's bright red disc disappears. Visit TimeTimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here. This is part two of uh, our conversation with Zach. We were trying to understand systems engineering and see if we could learn something from them. And then we've been coming back to the need of self-observation and documenting uh, facts, not feelings, in order for us to solve problems. And so, Zach, I'm going to see if I can come up with some great examples that map over to industrial engineering and see if, where, where we go. So I'm coaching a woman one time, and she's like, oh, my God, I got lists all over the place. They're, they're everywhere, but I, I, I'm, 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 I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, well, just calm down. Well, let's talk about your system. She goes, I got no system. I got no system. I said, no, you got a system. And by the way, people call me up and they'll say they're disorganized or they don't have a system. And my go-to is I've never not proven you, had, you didn't have a system. It might not look like what you think it should, but I've always been able to do that. So she's threatening. When, when people are in that panic stage, it's really hard to get them to a- answer factual questions. But after about 10 minutes, I began to realize that she's got like notepads all over the house. And when she has an idea or a thought, she writes it down. The reason for that is, is from a working memory perspective, if you have a thought or idea, you can only hold your, – your brain's only got so much capacity. If you don't get it out, you're going to forget it. So she would write it down. Now, that is a perfect textbook ADD thing to do. You put it down on paper when it's in so you don't forget it. As I began to talk to her, it was clear, though, she had ideas on a notepad that were like one would be work, one would be errands, like you know, other types of things. They were all kind of commingled. And we began to talk about it like she had a system of collecting them. The problem with it was is she'd have a, something that she would need to do. She wasn't able to get it to her future self. Like, I'm going to be at my desk tomorrow. I need to get this note to me at that time in order to execute it. And we began to look at um, the pain point, as Zach described in our last call, was having to get all these lists and rewrite them in categories and move them around. And we started thinking like, hmm. So how could we do this, tweak it a little bit to make it more effective? And what we came up with was um, – um, there were notepads, but let's say you have a clipboard just because it's easy. Got a bunch of Post-its and, and took the Post-it pad and stuck them all over the clipboard. So when they would write you know, whatever thing came to mind, they would just grab the Post-it. So if they're in a family room and it was related to maybe work, the Post-it would go into the kitchen and sit on the, on the, uh, on the kitchen island in a certain area where all the Post-its – that would go out to her work. And notice is that they didn't go directly wherever they, and they kind of all went to the kitchen where she passed through. And then they got kind of commingled. And it was interesting because by the time we got done, she would do this and like, okay, a post would go into the bathroom because that's, that's where my errands were. This would go on the counter, go out. And so very small, we just tweaked that one thing. We used post-its on it. We didn't even want to use the post-it pad because we wanted the bigger piece so that we could relieve that pain point. And all of a sudden we had a new system that was very efficient and very much work with them. So that, that makes, that, that's, that's more or less looking at what we talked about in the last show and applying it. Does that, does that make sense? Anything you'd like to add? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I especially see that you're taking, right, lists and lists and lists that may have some repetition on them and you're taking it into more bite-sized chunks. 
Yep. And I love, especially for the working memory, separating it out by location is really great. So you can just kind of internally categorize it. And I, I've had this problem too, where, um, you know, I'll make a packing list for a weekend and it, it's really just to make me feel like I'm not going to forget anything. Like I'm putting everything down <laughs> on a list. And ultimately, you know, what I ended up doing as a solution is just putting all of my stuff in a bin that's like in the same category. So when I go on a ski trip um, or something, I have just one big plastic bin that has my jacket, my pants, my, my boots, and just kind of all the pieces of clothing that go with it. And then as long as, I, as long as that bin makes it in the car, I got everything that I need except for the skis. And it's, a, it's good to just kind of like, again, take, take the bite-sized chunks, group things together, I find is super, super important um, in going through, through that exercise. So I definitely see, you know, the system here and how you made it better. I like I like what you're describing. I have a, a, a travel camper, and I realize that when I go there, I don't want to remember everything. So I have like I have I have separate clothes that are just for the travel camper that are pre-packed to go. So I just have to take that and go. Again, these are examples of how I take the thinking out of it in the process. Another example I want to give is I was had somebody come in one time and they were they're going on I'm like I'm disorganized I'm not paying my bills and blah 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 and you know my go-to question is are you paying your bills late and the person said no I said well you have a system they said no I don't I said if you if you didn't have a system you'd be paying the bills late so which is kind of funny because whenever I'm mapping out current systems it's really hard because people speak in generalities like how do you get your mail well I, I get it like no so your inbox do you have, like the mailbox and so I'm asking these questions and through this process I find out that the person gets their mail when they're passing the mailbox. So that's either when they're coming home or leaving. Um, when they're coming home, the mail makes it into the house, into this one little area. It's just a pile of it. And the mail that's collected in the car gets thrown over into the back seat. At some point in time, there's a trigger that the bills have to get paid, and the person like will go and is a little bit overwhelmed because of all the, the mail because it's all, there's a pile of it, and somehow they go into the car and they find what they're doing and it makes it over to the computer and they get paid. So there's a little bit of stress, but they're getting paid on time. And as we listen to it, I sit there and said, okay, let's tell you, what, let's do this. Under no circumstances should you ever pick up the mail when you're leaving the house. That's a new rule. Never pick it up on the way out. That way it doesn't get into the car. When you come back in, you put it into the car. I asked where the, uh, uh, what the mail was, and as it turns out, I have a house where the mailbox is like half outside and half in my garage with a trash can. So we put a trash can right there, so when she walked in, all the junk mail went into that stuff, and she pulled the envelopes out, so we just had the mails. And just those two things revolutionized everything because all the bills were in one location. It would just make it over the computer at the time of payment. What I want to highlight is this isn't some newfangled system. We just went in, we mapped out what was currently identified, identified those pain points, made a couple tweaks, and all of a sudden we have a system that's working a hell of a lot better. Again, another example. Make sense, Zach? Yeah, yeah, I, I like that one a lot. I mean, just you kind of implemented like a little organizational structure, right, which kind of got rid of the, got rid of the fat, right, went straight to the trash, uh, makes things easy to... Yep again, grouped together, kind of like that previous example to move forward. Yep. And I, I, want, I want to close the show. I, I could go on for examples, but I also want to bring up one other thing is, is a lot of times, Zach, I'm finding people are trying to do something and they're using the wrong tool. I was coaching a CEO one time that was running a transportation company and was complaining about it. he doesn't reply to his emails. And he's out of the office a lot. And I'm like, I'm asking him a question like, well, how do you do it? And he's basically, he uses his cell phone. And I'm like, you're, how, do you, how can you run 
uh, you're the CEO. How can you do that from your cell phone? I'm like, you need to get a laptop because what they're, they're – I'm like, but I'm not going to mow the lawn with a pair of tweezers. I'm going to get a tractor to do that. And it was funny because he got the laptop, and oh, my God, it was a night and day difference because he was trying to use a convenient tool as opposed to a tool that could do the job. In industrial engineering, you're also always taking a look at, hey, what's the right tool for this job as opposed to always using what's convenient? Can you speak to that for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the tool is super, super important. And just tying it back to some of the ergonomics we spoke about earlier, right, just looking at the phone to computer example, on a phone you type with two thumbs. But on a computer you can type with up to ten fingers. So automatically it's way quicker to do the job. You can do more in a shorter period of time. So the tool is extremely, extremely important. And that comes into play a, a lot, especially in a lot of manufacturing with choosing the right large-scale equipment to manufacture, whether it's like a piece of clothing or a circuit board or what have you, making sure you choose what's right to get the job done. Because I love the example with the cutting the lawn with a lawnmower versus a pair <laughs> of tweezers or scissors or something. Um, because, yeah, if you, just, if you focus on the task at hand or the, the ultimate goal at the end of the day, you can really choose a piece of equipment that's going to work well for you, especially if you understand how you work individually as well. Which goes back to the whole purpose of this two-part show was to bring my son in and have a conversation about industrial engineers. They map it out first. Map out all your existing systems, all right? Map it out. Take the take – the, look at the facts, not the feelings. Then look at the pain points on your existing system. It's so much easier to tweak your system than it is to come up with something new. So when you find those pain points – you brainstorm and try to move forward. Today, what I tried to do, too, while we're talking about this stuff, is I tried to bring as much cognitive behavior in line because if you're going to deal with outside systems, you've got to learn to watch the inside of your brain in order to understand what's kind of going on because nobody can advocate for you. Um, you know, some people think differently. I'm the type of person that I need to understand how something works. I got to understand the underlying technology. I got to be able to articulate that to somebody in order to, to, to learn how I want to. Or if I'm taking a class, I got to be able to process it out loud or talk to somebody with that. You've got to understand your own individual part because when it comes to cognitive ergonomics, the, the engineers do the best they can at, at meeting at the norm, but you've got to have the self-awareness and learn to make those observations to advocate for yourself. So with that, any final thoughts before we close this out, Zach? Um, no additional thoughts other than just I, I, I love what we talked about today, and I, I love uh, kind of taking that engineering mindset and applying it to your life from a systems perspective. I, you know, I, I don't think about it too much, but the more and more I do, it's, it's really easy to take your life as a system and look at all the moving parts and think about, ways that you can kind of make things better or satisfy any pain points that you may find in your life. So this was, this was a great call. Thank you. Oh, actually, you triggered something. Thank you very much. This is relatively yeah. small, but one of the things that people talk about in their world is decluttering. And cognitively, I really want you to understand this. Is Have you ever thought about decluttering? There's a lot of thinking. When you declutter, you've got to go in. You have to identify what the item is. Do I need it or not? It's trash. 5% you know you need it. The other 90% is vague. Then you've got to figure out what you're going to do with it. If you're going to get rid of it, oh, my God, I've got to sell it on eBay. That's really, really, really kind of complicated, right? Or where's its home? It's a lot of thinking in order to figure out where its home is because if it's on the kitchen counter. It's there because that's its home. It doesn't really have a home. And so this is another example of, of 
when people take a look at their, their world and their systems that they hit a wall because there's a lot of clutter, because there's a lot of cognitive thinking that has to take place in order to put that away. And nobody ever takes a look at it from an, an, like an engineering-type mindset. It's just I'm going to go do that, but you never end up doing it. You escape to other things. This is one of those things where if I was working with somebody cognitively, I would want you to bring somebody in because if somebody's asking you questions, what is this? Do you need it? Where would you keep it? It makes the thinking easier in order for the person to make some decisions. So I, that's a little bit of a tangent, but I wanted to throw that in because that's a big example of how cognitive uh, constraints can get in the way of the decluttering process. So with all that, it's been a pleasure and honor. Zach, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much. Everybody, I hope you, you've learned a new way of looking at this. I can tell you it revolutionized my coaching by just sitting down and looking at the facts, not the feelings, identify the pain points, tweak your system. Don't completely overhaul it. Hope you've enjoyed it. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.